Every team, every topic, everywhere. This is Believe. Hello. Welcome, everybody, to another episode of Pod Strickland. I'm your host, Shrini Putin. This is episode 328. I am joined, as always, by my co-host, Prez. That is at underscore Presidente on Twitter slash X slash whatever Elon Musk decides to call it in his next Coke-binged um, stupor. Prez, how are you doing? I'm doing all right. Enjoying... Uh... Enjoying these FIBA games, though. Uh, there's some diehards out there that are live watching the 5 a.m. ones. Couldn't be me. Sorry, I'm not sorry. <laughs> but if it's after 7, I'll do it because I'm up anyway. It might be the... Uh... <laughs> Before we get started, I just want to say that one of the funniest things that I think is personally hilarious is uh, how mad non-Americans get about NBA champions being called world champions. Uh, and like Greg Popovich. Yeah, this is one of my favorite things ever. And like, I honestly have no idea why anybody cares about this that much. It's like a stupid title decision, and I get that it's technically incorrect, but I don't know. I feel like there are better things to to waste my time getting mad about like propaganda on the list of reasons why i'm not a fan of american exceptionalism (laughs) this is pretty low it's a long list (laughs) this actually might be the last thing on the list it might be (laughs) it's like there's a lot (laughs) just this one i'm like uh like number one the idea that we spread democracy to the world Number six thousand close, close to <laughs> fucking NBA world champs. <laughs> Number two, when the Denver Nuggets got called world champion. Um, all right. <clears throat> if that offends you, uh, I'm sorry. I find it funny though. All right. Anyway, before we actually get started, I do have to make a few announcements. The first being that the Strickland has Instagram. Check that out. That is at the Strick.land on IG. Posting all kinds of new content on there. The Strickland also has a YouTube channel where you may be watching this podcast. If you are and you have not done so already, please hit like and then subscribe to the channel. That'd be a huge help to us. The Strickland also has merchandise available on our website for purchase. You can check that out at www.thestrick.land. There's a link there that'll take you to the store and uh, you will find all kinds of stuff on there like t-shirts, sweatshirts, hats, coffee mugs, water bottles, you name it. We've got it again. That is available on our website. And then finally, the Strickland has a Patreon which you can subscribe to. There are a number of different tiers. There is a $6 tier that gets you access to Pod Strickland, this podcast that I host every Friday with Prez. You also get access to the Strickland Mailbag, hosted by Andrew Steele, a.k.a. Doug, a.k.a. The Doug Bag, alongside Dallas Miko that comes out every other week. You also get access to the Strickland Discord, where the conversation never stops. There are further tiers. There's a $9 tier that gets you access to Strick and Roll, my solo pod, or I rant and rave about the next few more. You also get access to wonderful premium articles by Matthew Miranda, one of the best in the business. There are further tiers. 
There's a $15 tier, $30 tier, $50 tier, and a $100 tier that's going to a variety of additional benefits like listening on a pod recordings, merchandise discounts, and even potentially co-hosting a podcast alongside yours truly one day, whether you choose to subscribe or not, none of this would be possible without you. And none of this would be possible without Bet Online. Bet Online is your number one source for all your betting needs. Get the latest odds, lines, and match reports for baseball, boxing, golf, and more. Bet Online continues to be the fastest and easiest way to place your wagers, including live betting in your favorite casino and card games available to play right from your phone. Head to the website or use your mobile device to sign up today and get in on the action. Remember to use promo code BELIEVE, B-L-E-A-V, for your 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet Online, where the game starts. Um, <clears throat> and uh, we're going to start this uh, with a look back, a, a blast from the past, a walk down memory lane, whatever you want to call it. Um, this is not exactly the year anniversary of the Knicks not making the Donald Trump trade, but it is the anniversary of R.J. Barrett signing his extension with the Knicks. Um, that was for four years, $107 million. Uh, that's guaranteed, and then total amount with the incentives takes it to 120 Anyway, that's all we're talk about. We are going to talk about uh, the Knicks then shortly after did not trade for Donovan Mitchell. Uh, who was traded to Cleveland for Laurie Markinen, who is now an all-star. Uh, Colin Sexton, Ochai Agbaji, uh, and their 2025, 2027, 2027, nine, or 2027, nine, well, 2029 first-round picks, and pick swaps in 2026 and 2028. Um, I think it's worth looking back at this, and I actually did an insane thing today, uh, because I kind of, like, I realized in the last few days, that um, oh hey, this is like the year anniversary of this. This is like when it happened. This is when a lot of people were like, "What the fuck? When are we ever going to get a guy?" Um, <clears throat> and I listened to a little bit of uh, you know, locked on Knicks from then KFS. Yeah, I listened to our good friend Stacy. Did we? Did I do a pod after that? We did do a Matt. We did a pod that night. Uh, I listened you to you and Stacy, or me and you, me and you, and Chuck from Chucking Darts. Uh, and God, I can't. You tell so, me what I said because I legit have no fucking. Memory. Yeah, look, I I did not listen to all these. I was just trying to get like, I was trying to remember what I felt, and what other people felt. And just kind of like get myself back in that place to because I think over time, right? You like oh, forget yeah. what you felt in that moment, and then you're just like, oh, like the front office did it. These guys are geniuses. Everything worked out just like they planned. Um, and I think it's worth mentioning that there were a lot of conflicting reports at the time, but at the bare minimum, that's what I remember the most. Yeah. Is like I don't even remember having a consensus at the time on like what our biggest or our latest offers were and whether those two were the same thing. <laughs> right. So I think at the bare minimum, they definitely at some point offered RJ quickly and two unprotected first. We have no idea when those two firsts were, right? So are they 2027, 2029? Wow, Jesus. Are they 2027 or 2020 and 2029? Or are they like, you know, 2023 and 2025. And obviously that changes the value and all this type of stuff. Um, we don't know exactly what it was, right? It was those two, it was two for unprotected first, RJ and quickly, Evan Fournier and a protected first. We know for sure that was offered at some point. From all reports, that seems a safe bet to say that was offered. Um, 
and I remember at the time that I think like I was even in the minority where I felt like like I get why you do it at that price, but I just wouldn't do it at that price. Like I just wouldn't yeah. do it. I, I was think that's I had, where like, I was, and I yeah. think I remember if I recall my own perspective at the time, it was like I was like, that's a pretty good offer. And then Cleveland just went for it. And I remember being like, oh, they they went ham. So I, I remember like, because I remember lots of weeks of jokes where I was like, I actually like Cleveland's offer. And everybody was like, and, you know, there was a lot of disappointed Knicks fans who were like, blah, they took a worse offer just to spite the Knicks. And I was like, yeah. are you sure this about is, that? This, <laughs> and, is, this was Chris's big reveal when he was like, actually, guys, I'm MAGA and I love Laurie Markinen. He is my god. Um, he represents everything visually that I love in the world. <laughs> Salute my Finnish nephew, Laurie Markinen, who uh, his team is, get Finland, get him, get this man some help. Finland, he can't do it all by himself. He got. It's, uh, it's always crazy when a talent emerges from a place like that, where there's just like nothing else. There's nobody else playing that sport. <laughs> yeah, I mean, they got enough tall people, so it's not you know. They just don't have the infrastructure of the other parts of Europe for basketball. Anyway, you know, Laurie's good. And I I didn't know he was this good, obviously, but like it was more just like they okay, they offered even though I wasn't sure about the Knicks offer, I'm like, okay, we know they offered almost certainly a better pick package. And on top of that, there's a like at worst, like a pretty nice collection of players and if you're high on some of them, like Colin is a perfect example. Like I don't particularly care for Colin, but he seemed like this kind of guy who could be useful in the future in a trade. So like, and, and then Laurie, I was high on as an actual basketball player as opposed to an asset. And so, you didn't like Agbaji, but like there were people that did like Agbaji. Sure. Yeah, exactly. Right. And uh, so I thought it was like a pretty strong offer. Like if you love RJ Barrett a lot, like a lot, a lot, then I could totally see why you were like, why would they fucking pass on, you know, RJ and quickly. But like my whole thing is like, I, I understand why they felt very strongly about the picks or whatever. And then like you, I, you know, I was like, this isn't like a, like the end of the road. Like this is, you have to have a line for this sort of thing. Um, He's not an MVP. He's really fucking good, which he showed this season, but He's not an MVP, so, like, this kind of sucks because it came out of nowhere. And I think that's what really fucked people up is well, we were like, oh, we got them by the nuts because we're not bidding against anybody. And you know what happened, too, is, like, Ian had reported, like, two weeks before that or something initially, oh, the Cavs, the Cavs are in, you know, like, they're they're in this. Uh, but then he reported that they had, like, retracted their offer right. interest, whatever. And so at that point, it was like, okay, well, are we like? Are we actually just bidding against nobody here? And That's what I it's thought. Not- I was like, on. I was like J.R. Smith irrationally confident that I was like, oh, we got this shit, and we we're about to get a heist because this is the fucking perfect storm. But it was too good to be true. <laughs> because because the Nick, this always happens for the Knicks. Good things always happen to us. Um, I'm naive enough that <laughs> I don't think about precedent like that. All right, bro. You get it. You get into like your Yankees fan mode, and you're like, no, no, like this will, this will be fine. Like I don't remember the. La- I'm like Mariano. I don't remember <laughs> the last pitch. All right. 
Um, hopefully that's the only way you're like Mariano. Uh, yes. I mean, we're both Latino, so there's two ways. <laughs> there's two ways, right? There's two. Uh, let's, we're good there, though. Um, that's about it. That's about it. Uh, no, but, but I remember, like, I think, I think you were definitely more with, like, oh, let's, like, yeah, maybe that offers a little bit too much, but like Donnie's really good, so like it was so- to me. It was more because of what Cleveland offered than like my yeah, we, feelings on yeah. Donnie. For you, I think it was like you have you were like there's a line that you got to draw for a player like Donnie. Yeah, and I just I just never really understood the idea of like they've been setting up to get a guy and like this is the guy, so you got to do it. And I'm like, first of all, if that is their logic, like if that is their reasoning to make this trade. Like hopefully Dolan is like wakes up from whatever nap he's taking and is just like, get the fuck out of my face! Like you're fired! Like this is horrible logic. Um, but like I, I my my main thing was it, it was the way and like we're seeing this again now with Embiid, which kind of makes this frustrating. But it's like it felt like the entire summer people were just like, well, you know, quickly's a guy and and you know, uh, like well, if you throw in, uh, like of course you trade quickly for Madonna Mitchell, and of course you that throw stuff was very and, annoying. And just, and uh, it's like, yeah. oh, Grimes is untouchable now, and it's like, look, I don't think anybody and and Begley has said this before. Also, <clears throat> no, there it wasn't one specific thing that was untouchable, but it was like, I mean, look, we saw what Cleveland gave up. Cleveland gave up basically everything that wasn't nailed down, right? Like they basically gave up everything that wasn't nailed down and wasn't one of their core of Garland. Mobley and Allen. So, like, to beat that trade, and obviously, look, the Knicks offer that they even, that we know they made, whatever we personally thought at the time and, and still do think, I think, about RJ Baird and Emmanuel Quickly and whatever, um, like, it's not as strong an offer in type, in terms of the type of things that rebuilding teams covet the most, which is pick capital. Um, control over another team's draft for years, and and like and young players with upside. Right. Like let's right. be real. Like if any, if there was, any, there's we spent a lot of time, rightfully, happily, hilariously, being vindicated about owning Donovan Mitchell and the Cavs in the playoffs. I'm sure Jazz fans, all 47 of them, are very vindicated about like, man, I'm glad the young player I wanted was Laurie Markkinen and not R.J. Barrett. Like yeah, the gap yeah, yeah. between, like, regardless of how you feel about Laurie or RJ, like, they are not even RJ's most ardent supporters probably can't would not in good faith put him at least right now and in the short term future on the same planet as Laurie after the seasons they both had. One made a leap backwards, the other made a leap forwards, and that was that. I know Laurie's older, of course, but still. Yeah, and and I think the other part of it too is just like. So that total package, I was, and honestly, like once I saw that, you know, all the, you know, the the details come out, I was like, one, I knew the Knicks should never make a trade like that. Like I was positive they would never make a trade of that much pick quantity going out, especially considering like their own pick quantity. Um, yeah, from a lot of Begley's reporting, it seemed like they were very hyper aware that like this would have to be. This move was not the end game, even though it would be a really big move. And you can't make a follow up move if you don't have stuff left. So, like, then of course they're not gonna like Begley nailed that. Like, there's of course they're not gonna they're not gonna do that. It just is clearly not with their mo. Yeah, and I think the thing that got lost over the summer was like one, 
I mean, and look, this year obviously has. I mean, the other part that's kind of hilarious listening back to these this stuff, at least partially. I obviously did not listen to like every single full pod. Um, yeah. I did at that time, but not now. Uh, but like, it was it's just funny thinking like we were all like, oh, like Evan Fournier is still here, Derek Rose is still here, Reddish is here. Like, how are we going to solve this log jam? Like, it's like oh, these decisions Tibbs have to make. Like, they're so hard, you know. He has to try to win, but he's trying to develop. And it's kind of funny because at the time, and I think this was where a lot of people's frustrations and, and my personal frustration was coming from was like, look, all the data we have over the last however fucking long, two years, three years, or whatever we had it for, is telling us that these guys, especially these young guys that we're talking about in the trade for the most part, was, you know, which to that point had been like quickly and Grimes and Obi. It's like, look, whatever you think about them, like, Everything is telling us they are good players and that they can help you win basketball games. And we have not fully explored this yet. Okay. And on top of that, like you're, you brought in Jalen Brunson, who like we, I think for the most part, by that, I, even pretty early on, I think like most Knicks fans were like, no, this is a good signing. You had brought in Jalen Brunson. You have these young guys who like, are kind of in this stage of their career, second and third years, where you're like, and you had already seen enough where you're like, they can definitely be better. And then you get the report, obviously, oh, the Knicks are like viewing Grimes as untouchable. Do I think that was exaggerated? Yes. But I do think that was a clear indication that like, no, like Grimes is not just like a dude to us. Grimes is like a real fucking piece that we think has serious value now and long-term. And so like, you're thinking about all this. and And to me, I was just like, if we all agree Tibbs coached like a fucking asshole last year, and I would say that even his most ardent supporters, especially now in retrospect, could at least be like, yeah, maybe fuck that up a little bit, right? But to me, he coached like a total asshole in 2021-22. And even within that, we everything it actually kind of made it more clear, right, that like, no, these young guys might actually be legit. And so my entire reservation was like, I don't want to make a trade trading these guys at their lowest value, right? Especially in the case of like quickly and Grimes, who would have been seen as kind of like, well, of course you just throw those guys in the deal, but that doesn't mean that you don't get to have to put in three first round picks and two swaps and all this stuff. That's and that exactly is that's the point I wanted to make, but I forgot to make, which is like people were acting like it was irrational for the Knicks front office to say, sure, we can throw in another young guy but that should reduce the pick package going out. And that to me was, that's how you lose. Like if you don't draw lines just in, in life, like if you don't draw boundaries in negotiations like that, if you just let people just stick you and stick you and then you concede and then they stick you some more, like that's how you become a sucker, man. That's how, <laughs> that's how people take advantage of you. That's why you don't start a tab if you're really fucked up. Don't do that. Yes. Shit. It's a dangerous situation. Um, but like, yeah, I, I and and I think this is still like kind of the NBA is still in this weird place where it's like, well, oh, you know, you know, you see this with the Embiid stuff, where it's like, yeah, you just put you throw in four picks and then yeah, you give them quickly and you know, maybe grimes and call it a day or whatever it is. And I'm like, wait, 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 wait. like we're giving up like the picks, whatever. You want to give up four first, I I'm not going to like, but what those are of, we know what the value is. Those are four first round picks, right? <clears throat> if I were, if I were the Knicks, right? And this was kind of like 
what I was trying to get across last year. It was like, if I just, if the Knicks just put Emmanuel quickly on the market, like we're done, we are just moving him because whatever reason, I think they would have gotten a first round pick. I do. Like, I do think they would have gotten a first round pick then. I 100% believe they would get at least one now, if not two. Mm-hmm. Um, what the exact value, though, is unprotected, protected, whatever. But you would get value for the for him in trade. And I'm like, well, you're not uh, you're not accounting for what this means when you're talking about the trade. And, like, this is where I think, in, in the moment, I remember thinking, like, I love this trade for Cleveland. I think it makes sense for them and blah, blah, blah. I was probably too – I mean, one of the reasons is because I was definitely – too high on where Mobley's game was currently versus like where it needed to be once you make this trade. Cause once you make this trade, you're not like fun, young team that's figuring it out. You're like fun, young team who's all in and like needs to start winning games right now. And so it's a totally different thing. And so I think in retrospect, I look back at that and I'm like, I kind of, I don't like this deal as much anymore for Cleveland. Not because I don't think they're better. Not because I don't think they can win a lot of games, but, like, let's be real, man. Like, they lost – they got spanked in five games by us last year in the first round. To, you're trying to tell me to go from that to true contender. They added Max Cruz, George Niang, and we're just supposed to believe Evan Malibu, like, learned how to do offense this summer. Like, that's a crazy leap to make in one year. And and for me, with the Knicks, I was like – to bring it back to, to my perspective at the time was like – we don't have enough information on these young players to make an educated trade right now. That was like my very basic belief is like, we do not have the, the, the full knowledge of what these players are in large part because Tibbs coach like an asshole last year and another, and, and partially also because like they're young players, like we really don't know what they are yet. And I think like today, um, if that like me and Stacy talked about this on a previous pod. It's like, would you do this trade now and all this stuff? And um, <clears throat> I don't really like. I think to some extent, I almost feel like the Knicks are they're definitely better positioned to make a trade like that now because they have a much better understanding of their talent and their personnel and what works and what doesn't. And you know, last year, I mean, you got to remember part of the issue last summer too is like we're dealing with the Julius Randle of it all, where he's having this, I mean, he had an atrocious season, and you're like, well, what's going on with this guy? Like, is he, like, what are we doing here? And I think you've got to feel a lot better about, obviously, the Randle of it all now, um, where he's, you know, I mean, I know his season didn't end well, and I've criticized him for that plenty, but, like, you've got to feel a lot better about him right now than you did last year at that time, and I think you feel better about Quickly, and I think you feel better about Grimes. And I feel happier for Obi. Uh, I don't know if I feel better about Obi, but I definitely feel happier for Obi that he's no longer uh, a Nick and he's in Indiana. But you feel a lot better about those two guys, right? Where you're like, you have a lot better understanding of what they are right now, what they could be, what they developed into during last season. Um, and then on top of it, like Jalen Brunson, I don't like Jalen Brunson does not make the leap that he made last season if we get down to Mitchell. And I'll, and like, look, RJ Barrett, um, we don't need to, we, we talk about this on every fucking podcast. Like whatever you think about a season, I think it's fair to say at the minimum, it was up and down. Okay. Let's just leave it at that. Uh, but he's still a young guy that has a lot of ways to improve his game. He's on a pretty nice contract. And like, I think Brunson just the, the roster just makes so much more sense now than it would have if we had made a Mitchell trade to me. 
And I think it's better positioned to address the weaknesses long-term. And the other part of it that like, I think is worth mentioning, we don't have Josh Hart if we do the Mitchell trade. Like almost, like almost definitely do not have Josh Hart. And I think that's like a, I mean, it's obviously not the biggest deal. But You're like, ultimately talking about like between, like between the picks you retain and the young players you retain, you're, and heart, <laughs> and well, that's what I'm saying. Yeah. Like you're talking about <clears throat> basically Brunson plus a package of guys and things who could go out for someone like Embiid or Donovan Mitchell. And to me, like I don't care how you feel about Embiid, that's really what you're looking at. Like, and that's a no brainer. Like simple as that. Like what well, at the time of the deal, I thought it was a win win win. Like win for the Knicks, no trade win for the Cavs, and win for Utah. And I still feel that, and we'll get into this later in the pod um, when we talk about, you know, which GMs we think are the best or front offices we think are the best. And I still, you know, on the whole, I still am pretty impressed with what Cleveland's done. And even though they are in a stickier situation than people can ad- than people have tended to admit, I still think they've been, done pretty well. Um, so... I still think it's a win-win-win, even though I'm with you. I think it's not quite a slam dunk per se. Yeah, I would. I would say like the, it's a slam dunk for Utah, almost like that. Like, I oh, think yeah, that's yeah, yeah. Slam dunk for them. I don't. I wouldn't say it's even a slam dunk for us, but like I think it would. It's a. It's a I, very I nice. Say it. I would say it's a very, very. It's a very satisfying like one of those possessions where you know the ball swings around, everybody touches it, you get a nice wide open corner three. Like it's. It was a. It's a very, very well executed possession good had. process yeah but they needed like everybody needed to do their part because <laughs> i'm thinking like this is the other part have been like up. yeah no, i'm thinking back to like like Our how group. we were we were how we were all like what our mindset at that time and and hearing everybody talk about it and like you could hear like i hear like macri and fucking uh jeremy and they're just like fucking they're like the rotation what are we gonna do how's it gonna work out and you're like we're all concerned we're all of us were concerned about tibs right and it's like and it's like everybody had to do their little bit to make it to for us to get out on the other end uh but everybody did like even like tibs to his credit yeah whoever whoever he didn't have the worst season he could have had which sounds like the lowest bar ever but it's really important (laughs) and he had a he had a legit good season and i say that like very honestly, because I think for us as fans, it's it's always easier to like to make these judgments and and decisions just based on the numbers, based on what we're seeing in the film. We don't have to deal with like the human emotions of players, and we don't have to deal with the ego and you know battle between yourself and the front office and and trade stuff and values and all these things. Like we don't see all that, but for him to make the decision. 23 games in the season, whether that was all by himself or whether the front office gave him a, a slight prodding, ultimately it's his choice to make the decisions he made. And and it's again, it's really funny because at the time I'm like screaming, like, if Fournier and Rose are here, they're gonna play. Like, there's no way they can't play because look at the fucking contracts they're on. But he made those choices. They're tough choices. He did that. He deserves credit for it. And then obviously you had guys like Quickly and Grimes who stepped up into bigger spots in rotation and really like I don't want to say totally came into their own, but like really stepped their games up and they, they had leaps. Yeah. They, they moved the baseline of the team in a way. And even Deuce McBride who like, yeah, he's still kind of a situational guy, but we got to remember the guy was part of the rotation for a good, like 30 games. And that's when the next season turned around. I'm not saying it turned around because of him, but he was part of the team that did it. Um, and obviously Julius Randall turns things around. 
Brunson comes in and has a better season than I think even the biggest Brunson believers thought he would have had. Mitchell Robinson is great again, you know, make Mitchell Robinson great again. He did it. And like Isaiah Hardenstein, brutal start really comes into his own the last 59, 60 games of the year. And like, you know, it's just, you had all these different things, obviously. And the front office is the one that constructed this roster. And it's like, you have all this stuff come together. So that's why I don't think it's like quite a slam dunk, but it is it's a very nice, very good possession. Great possession. Uh, and then for, for Cleveland, it's like, you know, they had a decent possession. They got a good shot off and it maybe went, maybe it even went in a little, but like, are we sure it's sustainable? Is this like, can they carry this over for four quarters, Perez? I don't know. I don't know. Uh, I'm a little skeptical, but like, yeah, I think the trade in, in the moment, it felt like at least, I don't know. It was weird. The national guys were a lot like more bullish on the Knicks not doing this trade than the, than like a lot of fans and local guys were, which is interesting to me. Um, but yeah, it kind of felt like, and then you get the start of the season. You're like, fuck, are we going to have to deal with this entire season of like Donovan Mitchell is God and we didn't pass for him or trade for him. And, Oh, like, Oh, you guys, if it wasn't, for, if it wasn't for Jalen Brunson, we would have had to deal with all that shit. But Jalen Brunson literally just like, like Donnie had a better season than Jalen. But it's not because Jalen didn't have an insane season. And that alone is like, well, I didn't get this Ferrari, but I, we got a luxury car. So we looking good out here. You know, like, I can't be greedy. That's how most it's, fans you know, it's all, the end of the season. And, and I also think, like, again, like, I don't know. It's This is always, like, a weird thing. And I know I'm always more with this stuff than, than you are. But, like, I just think Brunson was, like, the kind of presence that we needed and, oh, yeah. you know, would he have, like, I, I personally feel like it's really hard to lead a team in your first year if you're not the best player on that team. And whether we agree or not, I actually don't agree with this anymore, but at the time, Donald Mitchell comes in, like, he's the best player on the team. You know what I mean? Like, he's the best player on the mm-hmm. team. The team, he's going to be the leader for better or worse, probably worse because he's super fucking cheesy. Um, but, like... I think it was important for Brunson to be able to take that mantle. And even when like Julius was the best player, Brunson is like, I feel like everybody knew fourth quarter crunch time. Brunson's the guy that we want to go to need to go to. Um, And then I, you know, Larry Israel has brought up this point a few times. And I actually think it's like pretty interesting one and a good one is he was saying like, it was really important for us to trade for Josh Hart because it like almost gave Brunson more, of a voice in the locker room in a way. And, you know, obviously you bring DiVincenzo in this off season. Like these guys are good players, so it's fine. It, it works. Um, but I do it's think there's something like when you hire a coach and you bring in his assistant. <laughs> right. And it's, it's also like, it only works if they're good, right? It doesn't right. work if you bring in like a bad coach, like if you bring in Fizdale and you're like, hire your boys. And he's like, yeah, I'll come on down. You. Omari Spellman, <laughs> fellow Nova legend. <laughs> yeah. Right. Like it doesn't work if you do that, but it works if you bring in guys that are legit and, and I don't like, obviously they didn't not make the trade because they're like, Oh, what about Jalen Brunson's voice in the locker room? Like, no, but I think it's like a nice consequence of that. Um, and ultimately like you pass in the trade, you get, if they had made the trade, they'd get shit and they get shit on for things they expected and things they didn't expect. So I think they should get credit for like the things that they, they did and didn't expect here and, and ultimately like, you know, revisiting it and whatever. But my final thought on it was just like, um, thank God we didn't make it because even if we're a better team today, I don't think we have the juice to get to a better tomorrow. 
Um, and you would have needed to get to a better tomorrow because you're not winning with that roster as constructed. And like, again, man, Brunson, Mitchell, Randall, hell of an offense. Not sure where the deal, like that's, we're, we're already asking a lot of, of Mitchell Robinson uh, and, and Quentin Grimes. Quentin Grimes might not even have been here in this scenario. So I just think like it, it made it a lot more straightforward. And I think we're in a better place as a franchise. Um, and I think we're now better positioned to make that better, that type of a trade because we have way more information on our players and stuff like that. Our house is a mess. Come on in. I'm Amber Wallen, internet comedian, plant queen, and host of your new favorite podcast, Fly on the Wild. Okay, that's pretty presumptuous to assume that this is going to be their favorite podcast, by the way. Like, come on, Amber. Anyway, that wasp that you just heard interrupt me is my husband. And co-host, Benjamin Wallen, also a comedian, and I host people at our home. I have a great wine collection in my cellar. Well, you it's mean cellar. the mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. It's a mini fridge. New episodes of Fly on the Wallen drop every Wednesday. Listen in as we discuss relationships, books, and keeping our sweet baby kid alive while we make laughs on the internet. Subscribe to Fly on the Wallen wherever you get your podcasts.